Steve is joined by Dr. Don Colbert for Health Zone Essentials. What are they and how is our body connected with four key zones? Your gut, diet, hormones and brain. Where does faith fit in? And then Steve will be joined by the girl with special shoes, Hilda Binmula, later this hour. Well, we're looking forward to these conversations and the uh, January 23rd, this is the time of year, when all those New Year's resolutions to lose weight, to eat better, to do all those things have probably been blown up by this point. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, what I was going to do didn't work. I got to do something different. And so joining us to talk about how we can uh, live a little bit of a healthier life and live in those health zones, Dr. Don Colbert. He is a New York Times bestselling author, board certified family practice doctor. And uh, Dr. Colbert, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's great being here. You know, uh, a lot of us uh, a couple of weeks ago maybe had a New Year's resolution that we thought we were going to eat different this year, live different this year, and now 23rd of January, that's been blown up. We're wondering, man, I, I, it's just too hard to do. But I know you would say, no, we just maybe need to look at things a little bit differently. How would you suggest we look at optimal, healthy living in 2024? Well, first of all, I tell people, just forgive themselves. The holidays are over. You've eaten the sweets. It's over. Patients are coming into my office. I'm looking at their blood work. Their sugar's high. Hemoglobin A1C is high. Cholesterol is high. Triglycerides are high. I said, so you enjoyed your holidays, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, they did. They laughed, and they said, okay, it's time to get back on the program. Because, again, the whole key is we have to make this a lifestyle, not just a diet. It needs to be a lifestyle. Now, so what I've done is I've combined a few of my books to make it kind of stepwise program. You see, most every disease starts in the GI tract. So we start with my gut zone diet to restore and repair the gut, the GI tract. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have a special program for that. Healing foods, we cut out your gluten and your wheat, which has tw about 23,788 different proteins that can inflame your body and your gut as well as dairy, most all dairy and cheese, even though it's delicious, it inflames your gut, as well as high lectin foods. And I've talked about the high lectin foods that inflame the gut and create fatigue and brain fog and all kinds of joint aches and pains, such as uh, nightshades, tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, eggplant, beans, peas, lentils, and one of the worst, of course, is wheat. And so we avoid those high lectin foods, the, the dairy foods, foods and we give you gut friendly foods for a few weeks and then we uh, once you do that your gut heals quickly and we plant some good bacteria in there and then what we do is we put you on the healthy mediterranean or keto diet now this is a, a lifestyle really it shouldn't be called a diet if you need to lose weight okay, so that's a trigger word for some people dr colbert right. you're right but see, if you need to lose weight, just follow the healthy keto dietary program, which involves a lot of healthy fats like olive oil and nuts and seeds and avocado oil and avocados. And, uh, and then just a little carbohydrates, only 5% of your dietary intake is carbohydrates. That's a tiny amount. It's about 20 grams a day. But guess what? You lose weight like crazy and you say, I'll be hungry. No, you want the fat satisfies your appetite. And then once you've reached your goal, we, we, trans, we transfer you over onto the Mediterranean diet. And I've been writing about Mediterranean diets for 30 years, a book about 30 years I wrote, What Would Jesus Eat? Yep. And I just finished a cookbook on that over a year ago. 
And still, that is the healthiest diet, yet the Mediterranean diet includes a lot of wheat, which we now know is highly inflammatory to our gut, our brain, and our joints. So we cut that out for a season. Now, once your gut heals, you can have it on occasion. It, won't, it generally won't hurt you. And so again, it's a stepwise program, and then we add the hormone optimization and the brain protection program. And it's a simple program everyone can do to live a long, healthy life and not check out early from disease and not end up in a nursing home from a fractured hip or from dementia. Those are the two main causes of being in a nursing home. Talking with Dr. Don Colbert uh, this half hour about Health Zone Essentials. It's the uh, title of uh, his book. It's all about jumpstarting your healthy life. And we, as, as I think about changing of what I eat, the, the changing of my diet, this is something that we're talking about quite a bit in our house right now. Um, one of the things that my wife has is, is really been talking about is trying to go as organic as possible, as few steps basically from the ground to the table or from the animal to yes. the table. Um, Absolutely. How has our food changed in the last 20, 30 years? Oh, my goodness. Well, again, what you see now was, was sprung up on every corner. People don't need to cook their food anymore. Fast food restaurants. Yeah. They use highly processed foods that uh, convert to sugar very rapidly, as well as high saturated fat meats and trans fats, the two of the deadliest fats you can consume. And so, again, uh, and you go in grocery stores and people are mainly on the refined carbohydrate aisle or the high fat aisle or the canned food aisle which is dead food. There's so much dead food out there. And dead food causes uh, fatigue and weight gain and all kinds of health problems and invites pretty much every disease into your body. So again, the living foods is the key. You know, that's what the Mediterranean diet is. It's a living foods diet where the vast majority of your foods are living foods in the form of veggies and salads, which are high in fiber, olive oil and avocado oil and avocados like this, my breakfast this morning. I had uh, half of an avocado, and I had some, uh, a bowl of uh, unprocessed oatmeal that, uh, that had no sugar. It had some stevia on it, had some berries in it, and some nuts, and that's my breakfast. And you say, well, did that fill you up? Absolutely. I'm full. It charges my brain. But the best thing is you don't gain weight on that food. You lose weight. Oh, man, that is big for so many of us. And when we come back and continue the conversation with Dr. Don Colbert, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about some of the things that may cause us to not be able to do this or at least make it a greater struggle. So stay with us here on Don and Steve in the Morning. New York Times bestselling author Dr. Don Colbert is with us, author of Health Zone Essentials. And as we uh, talk about eating and living a healthier lifestyle, Dr. Colbert, one of the things that I, I know can sabotage many of us, me included, is sugar. And I don't think for a long time I recognized or realized, number one, how addictive it is, and number two, the consequences of, other than just maybe a little bit of weight gain, so give us a kind of a heads up or an understanding of what sugar is doing to us if we consume too much of that. Well, first of all, sugar is highly addictive to our brains, our bodies. They've done studies on rats and shown that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. But sugar is, people say, it's just sugar. It's okay. You can have sugar. But what sugar does that people don't realize is it sets you up for elevated blood sugar, pre-diabetes and diabetes, which by the way, over 40% of America is either pre-diabetic or diabetic. And when you have diabetes, you invite every disease into your body and into your brain, especially dementia, 
and heart disease, cardiovascular disease, and every almost every other disease with that. The, the big thing about sugar is it triggers your body for weight gain. The, one of the greatest concerns of men and women is gaining weight and sugar increases insulin and insulin causes you to gain weight. And the biggest thing that gets my women to listen is sugar ages you at warp speed. If you eat a lot of sugar, you're asking for wrinkles and sagging skin and, and accelerated aging. So again, sugar causes our body to produce advanced glycation and products that age every one of our organs and our skin and our eyes and our brain and our blood vessels and our kidneys. So again, we want to minimize sugar. What I do is like what I'm drinking here, I'm drinking my green tea with the cinnamon green tea, and it's got stevia in it. Stevia tastes just like sugar. I just put one packet. I don't load it up with stevia. I don't want my body to get addicted to super sweetness, and that's where most people are. Yeah. So again, this gives me great energy. It helps to uh, charge my body. It tastes delicious, and I enjoy it on a cold morning. I'm here in Dallas. It's cold. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure a lot of us are thinking Dallas sounds pretty good compared to uh, some of the parts of the country where you're listening oh, this yeah. morning. Uh, but as uh, we think about, you know, what we put in our bodies and how we treat that, uh, certainly we think of maybe the, the stewardship of the body that God has given us uh, to us. And I, one of the things I've always appreciated about you is you have wanted to bring faith and your relationship with Christ to the conversation here. So as we think about what we eat and why that might be important, let's take it outside to maybe just the vanity reasons here. What does Jesus have to say about that? Why is this important for followers of Jesus? Well, it's interesting. Paul said, uh, what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, and you're a God? He says, so, you know, we're supposed to, anyone that... Uh, uh, hurts the temple of God, him will God destroy for the temple is holy, which temple you are. So we have to realize our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're trashing our body and unknowingly inviting disease into our bodies by choosing the wrong foods consistently. Now, if you occasionally have a little sugar, that's okay. If you have a massive dessert, it's too much. If you have a little teeny dessert once or twice a week, or what I'll do it, I'll do it at maybe at Christmas and my birthday, but just a tiny dessert. I don't do this regularly. And as we do this, we practice uh, literally walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. And so as we do this, our health is restored. You say, but I crave it. I need it. No, you don't. What we need to do, one of our key things to walk in divine health is we have to crucify our flesh daily, which means give our body what it needs and not what it craves. And the body's always going to crave the foods that kill it. The flesh is dumb. It craves sugar, it craves cakes and cookies and fudge and microwave popcorn and brownies and all of the, of the ice cream. These foods invite death. That's why Paul said in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever seed you sow, that shall you also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, which is disease, cancer, Alzheimer's. He that sows to the spirit shall reap life everlasting. So I'm teaching people to choose, make the right choices. If we don't start doing this, we are going to develop disease at an earlier age and check out earlier. Simple as that. Well, maybe you are like, yeah, I want to know more about that and how I can put this into practice. Dr. Don Colbert has done that for you. 
Health Zones, Health Zone Essentials is the name of the newest book. I encourage you to check that out. Dr. Colbert, appreciate you joining us this morning. And if you want to find out more, you can go directly to his website, drcolbert.com, or we'll link you to that through our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning. Well, we do hope that you will find us there. A lot of great videos that you can check out. Uh, but joining us right now, and we'll get her video up a little bit later, is Hilda B. Mulu. She is a journalist and a broadcaster, has worked uh, for a number of years in her native country, Cameroon, but has done so with muscular dystrophy. And Hilda, I appreciate you joining us to share a little bit of your story this morning. It's great to be here, Steve. Thank you for having me. You know, at what point in time did your family begin to recognize that you had these health conditions and ultimately leading to a diagnosis of muscular dystrophy? But but when did all that start? Great, great question. Thanks again for having me. Um, it was really blurry from the beginning, about the age of four or five, because they just noticed that I couldn't walk well anymore. I couldn't hold things anymore. And uh, yeah, they had all the suspicions that something was wrong, but nobody knew that it would be a lifelong condition or it would be muscular dystrophy. So I would say about the around about the age of four or five was when they started noticing. At that time, I was being... Um, babysat by my great-grandmother. So she got to tell me a lot of those stories as I grew up about what she observed during those early years. Hmm. You know, and at a certain point, you came to have a saving faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Mm -hmm. Was that a uh, part of your family culture, or was that something that you came to know Christ independent of that? I actually came to know Christ in my teenage years, around the age of 17. But growing up, we went to church a lot. So we went to church, and um, I don't remember really hearing the message of salvation clearly preached, but we did learn about the Ten Commandments. We did learn about the life of Christ and all the Bible stories. But because I was also dealing with this muscular situation, I had a lot of questions about God. You know, all of the things that I heard about God's love were watered down by my own personal experience because I felt like if God loved me, he wouldn't allow me live in a body that was weakening. He wouldn't let me live in a situation where I had no answers. So at some point, I became a little rebellious towards the gospel, towards the church I grew up in. And I felt like God was not answering my questions. So uh, I stopped going to church. I stopped reading the Bible. And I would poke my little finger at God and be like, how dare you do this to me? But um, I came across two books, one of which was Johnny Erickson Tada's uh, memoir mm -hmm. when I was 17. And that really helped to start shift my shifting my perspective towards seeing that God can be loving and, yes, allow suffering into our lives. You know, so at that point, I guess I had been resisting, really saying I surrender to you. But it's at that point that I said, okay, God, let's see how this thing goes. I will surrender because you are God and I'm not. And that's when I came to faith, a personal faith in Christ. Well, and you have written your book. You talk about Johnny's book having an impact on you. Your book, The Girl with Special Shoes, is certainly going to have an impact on many others. In fact, Johnny writing uh, the, the intro to that book. But, you know, I, I want to pick back up on this uh, idea of when God doesn't answer 
our prayers in the way in which we want, and we're suffering, right? And you're, you're Cameroon, and life is different for you than it is for other people, and it feels so can feel so unfair. The circumstances of our suffering may be different, but the way in which we walk through that and the emotions and all that that stirs up, I think, is, is largely universal. And so what was it about God that he began to reveal to you where you began to say, okay, even if, God, this is a lifelong diagnosis for me, even if this is the way that I'm going to have to go through life, I still want that relationship with you. What, what did God reveal about himself to you? Hmm, awesome. I, I think even going through the suffering and the questions, there were glimpses of God's goodness that for the most part, I chose not to dwell on. And one of them was just having a family that loved and embraced and accepted me and sacrificed so much for me. Because I could see around me, I saw other people with disabilities, other children with disabilities did not have that. I was doing very well in school. There were so many things to celebrate, but I was such an ingrate at that time, which when my my perspective shifted, I started seeing how ungrateful I had been. And then I saw that God had blessed me in so many other ways. Even though I was sitting here like, heal me, heal me, heal me, and ignoring everything else that he had given. When he opened my eyes to see that, yes, I had so many blessings to celebrate. I was like, okay, yeah, God is good. God is good. I had a family. God is good. I could go through school unlike other kids with disabilities. God is good. I never starved and I never lacked, you know, what really was needed to survive basically in life and all that. Yeah. So when my perspective shifted, shifted to one of gratitude, that's when things started to change for me. You know, and as things began to change for you and you began to have that gratitude, you know, you took advantage of opportunities that did present themselves to you and things that you could do going on mm -hmm. to uh, work as a journalist and as a broadcaster. And, you know, the first person uh, from Cameroon uh, who, you know, was a news anchor on uh, Cameroon uh, radio television. And so you've done so many different things, but with the disability of muscular dystrophy, how, how did you learn to overcome the hurdles that came uh, into your life through muscular dystrophy to be able to pursue that dream of, of broadcast journalism? Mm -hmm. It comes back again to the gospel because the gospel changes our perspective. I think um, growing up, I had in mind that I could only uh, be successful at life if I lived with a healthy body. Um, I was able to achieve all of my dreams on my own. You know, there's this kind of self-sufficiency that we we, we grow up with, it's like, I'm my own person, I'll do my own thing. And then when God takes all of that away, it's like I've lost control. But when, when I came to faith in Christ, one of the greatest um, revelations for me was that I'm created in God's image, no matter what. Yeah. Whether I have a disability or not, I have God's image resides in me. And so I believe that being in God's image kind of, um, it supersedes everything, no matter what circumstance I live in or other people live in, the Lord can accomplish his purpose in my life. And in Joni's book, she talks a lot about Romans 8.28. So when I read that, that's what stood out to me. It's like, okay, God can accomplish some good from this. 
Prior to that, I never thought about life in a wheelchair being a good life or being a life where something good could come out of. But because God causes all things to work out for good. And when I believed that, so I went ahead to be like, okay, let's see what good God can bring out from this. And I really did get to learn about the Lord's grace. Yeah. You know, so grace became a very important word for me because I was like, okay, I can't do it on my own, but God gives grace and grace is abundant. Well, his grace is abundant. We're going to continue to hear the story of his grace in your life as we continue the conversation coming up in just moments. Hilda Bimulu with us. She has written the book, The Girl with Special Shoes. More with Hilda coming up in a few minutes. So stay with us. Hilda Bimulu with us. She is the author of the book, The Girl with Special Shoes, also a journalist and a broadcaster. And uh, Hilda, as we've talked about your story of having muscular dystrophy in Cameroon, but also a relationship with Christ. He has sustained you, but certainly you have had hard things that have come, you've come up against, hurdles that you've had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Are there certain strategies, practices, things that kind of helped you stay focused on what you believe God had for you? Well, um, he certainly has sustained me because there was a time when I thought my life was not worth living. And I did try sharing the book. I tried to take away my life because I felt that it was not worth living if I had to end up in a wheelchair. But coming to Christ helped me, like I said earlier, see that my life is, is worth it, not because of the way I look or what I have, but just because of his image that lives in me. And God's word has been a great treasure trove for me. Um, the promises that I find in the Bible, sometimes I cling to. I remember most times just writing them out and pasting on my wall so that the first thing I get up in the morning, that is what I see. Before I face the day, I would have a word from God's word that will just strengthen me and that when I look back and I will be like, yeah, the world is telling me this, but God is telling me I will strengthen you and hold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The world is telling me this, but God's what is telling me. I've given you a living hope. So dwelling in God's word has really helped me. Yeah. Uh, another thing is just uh, leaning in on the community that I have, my family, friends, and people who are willing to come along with me and make the Lord a little lighter. Uh, that has been such a huge blessing, without which I wouldn't be able to go through life. I mean, from the moment I wake up, I mean, I don't wake up like jump out of bed, but just get out of sleep. I need someone there to get me out of bed and all that. And I've been so blessed to have a family and friends and a community that is always there to give me the support that I need. Yeah, love how you are taking things back to what God has done in your life and how he has provided and how, as you've been able to look to him, a perspective has changed so much. But speaking of perspective, a lot of us don't necessarily know what to think, have the perspective on what we can do in our churches to minister to those who are disabled or families who have disabled members of their family. We, we maybe recognize the fact that, oh, it's probably a little bit harder for them, but I, I, I don't know how to engage well in that. What would you like to see the church do in response to those in, in 
uh, coming alongside those in the disabled community? How can we do that better? I, I love that question because um, there's a tendency to look at disability like something that is limiting. But you know, in God's upside down kingdom, there are no limits. <laughs> Actually, sometimes when you're weaker, that's when his strength is, his grace is portrayed in your life even more. So I think the church ought to welcome everyone, embrace everyone, and let God work through each one's story. I mean, teach everyone God's word. Everyone can be a disciple. Everyone can be a disciple maker. Because ultimately, it is not in our own strength that we work. It is the Lord who works through us. So um, there is room for the ministry to persons with disabilities, but we shouldn't do it in a way that is limiting, like, okay, let's stay there, let's take care of you. We are all in this together. Let's come together as a community, the body of Christ. It's strong and not so strong parts. It's beautiful and not so beautiful parts. And encourage one another and spur on one another and see what the Lord can do through each of our stories. Hmm. Well, your story is in the book, The Girl with Special Shoes, written by Hilda Bimulu, who's uh, joining us this half hour. And Hilda, so appreciate you taking some time to join us this morning to share a little bit of uh, your story and to encourage us with the gospel as well. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.